Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the 1 in 10 political podcast. That's One Nationism and Political Reform, discussed in roughly 10 minute bites and hosted by me, Martin Curtis. Today's episode is going to be about education and skills. In fact, I think it's just going to be about education because I'm sure I won't fit skills in as well in 10 minutes. But what I would say is if you talk to any One Nationist, fundamentally their thinking will come back to education and skills and the reason for that is if you consider that one nation is is an aspiration to deliver and lead a single nation and create that single nation by bringing together the rich and the poor the one thing you can change fundamentally to make that difference is education once again this is not a subject that i speak of without qualification I I was a school governor for about 20 years during my time as an active councillor. And at the same time, I also held a number of portfolios that had education at their heart. So I spent a lot of time dealing with education and achievement in Cambridgeshire. And there was a lot of it. So even in a county with Cambridge, this fantastic academic uh, economy at its heart, you know, those, those issues existed and they existed basically around deprivation and background. And one of the things that made me realise was that the education system we've got is fundamentally failing a lot of people and it is fundamentally failing the people that it should benefit the most. Of course education does work for some people and we do have a system that is to a certain extent for those people tried and tested but it doesn't work for too many people and and the evidence is quite clear so you know one uh, one one example is the education policy institute who said that although the gap had been closing a bit since 2011 recent evidence is suggesting that it's it's at the very least standing still now or widening again when you say standing still what we're talking about as an example is 13% of the poorest pupils attaining either a 7 8 or 9 in maths compared to 26% of their more advantaged peers In English, it's 11% compared with 22% of wealthy students. And that figure of round about half appears all the way through. And it's clear to me that that says that something isn't working. And I think there are all sorts of reasons why that is. But one of them, from my perspective, is there are too many children now, especially with the disappearance of vocational education from, from secondary education, who go into secondary education, they enter year seven, basically knowing that in primary school they weren't for whatever reason and often through no fault of their own they weren't great academics and then they're told that their success in life depends on how good an academic they are for the next five years and they've got this five-year ladder to climb where the goal at the end is the GCSE and they see that as unattainable and too distant and so I think that's where we need to start thinking about, about what we do and how we do it. And I personally believe that we need to be thinking about personalising education more. And one of the things that will be levelled at me on that is it'll cost more. And I think absolutely right it will. But the reality is, if we want our country to be up there amongst the top educational achievers in the world... The easiest way is to drive up achievement from children in poorer backgrounds. And the evidence is, although we have got less poor schools in the UK, the overall achievement and our overall achievement, using the international comparators, um, it's a thing called PISA if if you're interested, show that we're basically standing still. 
And we've got this opportunity here to deal with a significant issue that means that we can actually change that. I do think this situation we've got where children arrive at secondary school knowing they're not great academics and being told they've got five years of sitting behind a desk before they find out and prove to themselves again that they're not great academics is something that has to change. And and that's that's what I want to talk about. I want to say, first of all, that I'm a great believer in education. I'm a big fan of teachers. I think teachers do a great job, some of them in very, very difficult circumstances. And in fact, some pe- some teachers absolutely thrive on it. And, I, you know, my family are involved in education as teachers, you know, and, and working in schools. So, you know, I'm a big fan of what teachers do. But I do also think that we desperately need to rethink things and go beyond the model that we've used for 100, 150 years and do I think my mind is right? Well, of course, I think that my, my ideas have more have merit. And, but I, I don't believe necessarily they're absolutely spot on. But I do think it's an example of how we need to rethink things a little bit. You know, how we need to stimulate a debate about how we deliver education. We're always going to have to have some sort of classroom teaching. But it doesn't have to be how it is now. And first of all, I think the thing that needs to change is is about aspiration. And this is something I don't see enough of in education. I do see some of it. And that is that we need to get children believing in themselves, especially children that are going home at night, going into very, very difficult backgrounds where they're not really having a great deal of belief instilled in them. We need to have an education system that from day one, teaches them that wherever they come from whatever they do they have the ability to achieve and part of that is about how you train teachers to teach it's also about bringing in and making sure there are always good examples of people that have broken the mold and achieved but it's also about making sure we identify talent and I think fundamentally the identification of talent is 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 as important as education is and I would say this about my view of it, of what we need to do in this respect in education. As well as delivering education, primary school should have a role in teaching the basics and starting to identify talent. And then secondary school's role through personalisation is to start to nurture that talent and, and start bringing that talent out. We then need to be using the FE and HE sector to fundamentally hone and fine-tune that talent so that it starts to work both for individuals and for an economy. And I do believe that every single child should leave education, although leave education as an adult, but every single person that leaves education should leave education with a ladder in front of them, basically with a belief that you can climb that ladder to success, that you can achieve whatever and wherever you come from. That's absolutely very strong one-nationism, by the way. But but that that's what education should be doing. I don't think education should be an exam factory like it is now. I think children should be given more space. That allows them, in my view, time to process information, process the facts that they're given, which I don't think they have the space to do at the moment. And that's why I support the CSJ's uh, recommendations that they came out with this week. The Centre for Social Justice, by the way. 
where they've asked for a lengthened school day and they've asked for sport to be added in uh, and extracurricular activities to be added into into the curriculum i'm not sure that's necessarily entirely right but i do think more sport uh, within school is is right i would add it into that more extracurricular activities and an emphasis on getting children to love the outdoors and fall in love with the outdoors they don't have the same opportunity to do that as i did as a child and um, it's something that i think is really important for some people so much pleasure just from getting somebody to fundamentally understand and appreciate their surroundings and appreciate the outdoors more so i talked about every child leaving education with a ladder of, to success in front of them. But actually, I think those ladders should be put in front of children at an early stage. And these ladders are basically step-by-step uh, progression towards GCSE standard, A-level standard, and, and beyond, where rather than seeing the next goal as the GCSE five years away, that each subject actually has a ladder within it so if you had a nine step ladder you could say for english say okay step three on that is basic standard literacy and then you get up to step nine which is a a grade nine at gcse say i I think you could go beyond that fine tune it but that principle and then what you start to do is rather than tell a child that they're going to be tested when the state and the system thinks it's right for them to test you start testing them when they're ready to be tested so when a child is ready to reach that first and and go past that first rung on the ladder you can literally say i think you're ready now we're going to test you it's not a particularly difficult thing to do from you know from where i sit when when i when i joined the army in 1981 i did a technical apprenticeship and we were tested a lot during that apprenticeship and the way they tested us was when we came up to the point where we needed to do the exam. Somebody went to a computer, pressed a button, and they generated, randomly generated an exam. That was in 1981. So the system now for us to be able to do that, for a teacher to say he's got to the right standard in history now, he's done enough on this particular topic within history, whether it be the First World War or whatever, it's time for him to be tested. And they then go to a computer, they press a button, and it generates a random exam from whichever exam board they're sitting. It's not difficult to do, and it totally flips the system on its head. So you're basing the exams and the tests around the child rather than around the system. I think that's the right way around, when I think we're arguably getting it the wrong way around. Previously, we've been getting it the wrong way around out of necessity. But going forwards, there's no reason why it has to be that way, apart from that we're stuck in our ways. And actually, we need change. That really is the meat of what I wanted to say with this. But there's a really important point with all of this. We have the potential to create a win-win where we can really start to deliver for some of the most disadvantaged children where we failed them in the past in education. At the same time, if we do that, we're creating more individuals that are economically productive for the country and therefore helping the country to move forwards. So we create a win-win. So even if this does cost more money, it's spent to save. And it's spent to save that as a nation, in so many areas, we have been really poor. I talked about looked after children in my, in my last podcast and how we've let them down. 
Well, if we took a spend to save approach and we really, really invested in those children, not only would we have looked after children who were a lot happier, but we'd actually be delivering on something that saves the state money in the long term. It's these things we need to think about more. What I would say as I wrap up this podcast is I don't think I have a monopoly on being right here. The one thing I'm determined I am right about is we need to start thinking differently about education. We need to start thinking about and and, and letting go of how we've done things for the last hundred years and start thinking about how we should be doing for doing them for the next hundred years. And I hope that this stimulates a bit of thought around that. And if you are in education and listening to this, share it and share it with your colleagues, get them to listen to it and make that point to them that this isn't about me being right saying X has to happen. This is my view of what could happen. But it's also me saying, let's start thinking differently about what education does and how it works. Next week, I'm going to talk about skills because I didn't get onto it this week. And, and, and by skills, what I mean is what we do in terms of educating beyond uh, beyond university and when people are in the workplace, not even in the workplace, but, but how we educate uh, adults. Uh, which we are absolutely dire at in this country. Thanks very much for listening again. I really do appreciate the fact that you take time out to listen to my musings.